So today we're continuing our series, Haunted House, and we're looking at how fear can, can make us ineffective, how fear can affect us as not only as Christians, but as the church, and, and how if we let fear take control over us, we become very ineffective. We start to turn inwards, and, and we don't do what God calls us to do because of this whole fear thing that, that lives inside of us. And we tend to start to isolate ourselves and, and because we, we, we worry about everything. You know, when that fear grips us. And, and it reminded me, I was watching, um, flipping through the channels, I saw, you know, Doomsday Preppers. I don't know how many of y'all ever watched Doomsday Preppers. But, but I'm sitting there and I was kind of chuckling when I was watching it because I thought about, man, we sometimes act like this. And this doomsday prepper was, you know, he was showing them on the video how he made a spider hole. And for those of you who don't know, a spider hole, it's, a, it's this military thing where, where you basically dig a hole that's like chest deep. And it's really cramped. And what you do is you kind of put camouflage over the top of it so you can scoot down and hide inside this hole. But you can see what's going on. And it's this way of just, okay, they can't see me, but I can see them. And then they were actually interviewing this guy, and he says, well, my intention is, you know, I'm going to hide out and ride it out, and then when it's all done, I'll be able to come out and be able to survive. And I think sometimes we as a church do that same thing. We, we look at this church as this spider hole, this place where we can be inside and protected where we can see what's going on in the world, but we can hide from it. Instead of engaging in what's going on in the world and, and trying to change it and make them come to know who Jesus is, sometimes we figure we're just going to hide out. Well, we'll oh, it'll pass. You know, something will happen and people will start coming back to church. You know, maybe something will happen in the world and, and, and it'll be so bad that people will start seeking Jesus again, you know, because that's what we see time and time again. Something happens tragic in the world, all of a sudden people want to know Jesus. And then Christians come out of their spider holes and all of a sudden want to talk to everybody. Well, church is not a spider hole. Church is a place where we should always be engaging that battle for Jesus and always doing what he calls us to do. But see, what happens is we get, we get so caught up with that, that fear that lives inside of us. And I think a lot of times when we, will, when we go to talk to someone about Jesus, it's the fear of the unknown. You know, we all have that fear. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Am I going to have the right answers? And we let this fear of the unknown stop us from doing what God's called us to do. And we need to get past that fear of the unknown. And we're going to see today that in God's word that God's given us a call to be his ambassadors. We're the ambassadors for God in this world today. And we're supposed to carry this message of reconciliation to the world. That's what we're supposed to do. And we're going to see that today. And as we look at that, we're going to actually see 
that we can actually overcome this fear of the unknown. We do have the ability to do that, and we have the ability to reconcile the world back to our Lord. But we got to get away from that fear of the unknown, the fear of what if, because that's what it is. It's that what if or what would or, you know, we, we let all of this stuff get up inside of us. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. But as always, it is going to be up on the screen. And today, like I said, we're going to look at that fear of the unknown. And hopefully by the time we leave here today, we'll understand that we don't need that fear. We, we have the Lord on our side, and through today's scripture, you're going to see exactly what he calls us to do and the strength that he gives us to get over the fear of the unknown. Amen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through chapter 6, verse 2, and it says this, For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we as ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, we also appeal to you, do not receive God, the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, I just ask that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Lord, open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, if there's anything inside us, that fear of that unknown inside of us, Lord, I ask that when we leave here today, that you remove that fear from us. And Lord, I ask that you bless this time together. And may my words be your words. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so I think one of the things is as we look at this whole fear of the unknown, and, and I think one of the ways that we can overcome it is by understanding what drives us. Well, what is it that should motivate us to get past this fear of the unknown? And I think we see it at the very beginning of this verse. The very beginning of verse 14, it tells us, for the love of Christ compels us. 
For the love of Christ compels us. So if we have the love of Christ, that should be our motivation. That should be our motivation to go into the world and do what he called us to do. It should help us to overcome this fear of the unknown and move forward. See, you know, you think about the word compel. Compel is basically something that has a hold of you. And if the love of Christ has a hold of you, it should be your driving force. It should be what makes you get up every morning. It should make be what makes you move every day. It should be the driving force behind your life to continue to move forward. And as Christians, that's what we have. We have the love of Christ to compel us to do what he calls us to do, for us to continue to move forward and continue to do what he calls us to do. But do we always feel compelled by his love? Do we always do what he calls us to do because of the love he has for us? Or are we sometimes compelled by the world? Are we compelled by our situation or family or friends or loved ones? Or maybe something that went on in our life and we allow it to hold on to us that much harder than we allow the love of Christ to hold on to us and allow us to keep moving forward. You know, we, we need to understand that what we do, we do for Jesus because of what he did for us. And if we truly allow his love to be the driving force behind our life, we need to remember how much he loved us. And because he loved us so much, and like we talked about last week, God loved the world that he sent his son. They love us that much that we need to hold on to that. Hold on to that love and move forward in our life and do exactly what he calls us to do and not get caught up in this fear. And I think that everyone everywhere deserves to know the love of Christ. It's not just for those of us in this room. It's not just for those who are watching and joining us for church online. God's love is for everybody. The love of Christ is for everybody in the world, not just us for no more. It's not an exclusive club. It's not just for us, thank God we're saved. It's for everyone in the world. And, and you think about this as, as we go into this world and we talk to people about Jesus. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Especially by the world standards. What do you mean? Who's this Jesus guy you're talking about? Why are you going to talk to me about Jesus? And, and we start talking about the love that he has for us and the love that he has for them. And some people may look at you like you've got this third eye. Like you're just crazy. What do you mean? Well, that's the kind of love that he had for us. He had that crazy love for us that we should have that same type of crazy love for him to do what he called us to do. And to go out into this dark world and not be afraid of the unknown. Take that step, and that, like I said, that first step is knowing what our motivation is, knowing what our drive is. And because he loved us so much, he was he willing to go to a cross for us, we should love him that much, and we should love others the same way that he loved us. I think verse 15 and 17, 15 said this, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Thank God for the new, right? 
How many people still want your old self? Even though we may have liked the old self, and there's times, you know, we maybe that old self sneaks up inside of us. It's nice to be that new creation, isn't it? To, to have that new mindset and to know that, that he loved me enough to die for me, that he was willing to get rid of the old me and make me new. And I may not be the best new addition I could be. I could still have a lot of that old inside of me, but the thing is, he's making me new. And I'm able to continue to move forward and be who he called me to be. And understand that, that I'm compelled to love the same way that Jesus loves. Which means I need to be compelled and have that passion to tell people about who he is and what he's done in my life. And be that change and get away from that fear because we know that love casts out fear. So there should be no reason for us as a believer to have this fear of the unknown inside of us because if his love casts out the fear, why do we have fear? And we have that fear because the old self is still trying to hold on. That old self is still trying to hold you, still trying to keep you captive, and Satan is using your old self to try and stop you from being who God wants you to be. But we got to continue to take that walk, continue to be that new person in our life, and live for him. Live for the one that took on our sin and died for us. Instead of doing it for ourselves. And I think even, even Paul talked about this when we talk about, you know, oh, you should be crucified for Christ. And people are like, well, what exactly is this? Well, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the results of that new life. Christ living in you. Picking up your cross daily, doing what he called you to do, and moving forward. And I think as we go back, you know, we looked at verse 15 and 17. I think when we look at this whole Christ living in you, you look at verse 16 in a different way. It says this, From now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. I do not see people the way I used to. I strive to see them as Jesus sees them. Do we see people the way Jesus sees them? Or do we still look from a worldly perspective when we look at people? Now, according to God's word being a new creation and the old is set away, we shouldn't look at people from a worldly perspective. But man, we do, don't we? We get so caught up in that and it's so easy. And I think about the Apostle Paul. Remember when he was still Saul before his name got changed? How did he see Jesus? Remember, he saw Jesus from a worldly perspective. He saw him as this sinner. He saw them as a, a false prophet. They, he saw him as, as someone who's breaking the Jewish law. So he saw him from this worldly perspective, and all he wanted to do was conquer anyone who was following Jesus. And then he met Jesus. 
He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and that worldly perspective he had became an eternal perspective. He saw Jesus for who God sent him to be as the eternal Son of God, the one who gives us that eternal life. He got rid of that worldly perspective of who he thought Jesus was and saw who Jesus really was. But now, unfortunately, in this world, we're supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to see Jesus as he is, not as the world sees him or not as the way we saw him when we lived the worldly life. But yet we'll pick and choose pieces of his word so we can still kind of have a worldly perspective that fits us. Well, we have this perspective of Jesus and God's word that fits our own personal narrative to make us feel good while we're inside this world and doing what the world called us to do, and we sprinkle a little bit of Jesus juice on it to make it sound good, or we sprinkle a little bit of God's word on it just enough to think that we're holy, just enough to think that, okay, I'm doing the right thing, but yet we still have this worldly perspective of everything we do. And I think we need to look at these opportunities to reach the world and reach people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and look at them the way Jesus looks at them. You see, I think a lot of times here, we unfortunately get caught up in this American perspective. And what I mean by this American perspective is, you know, it's about we need to keep our country right. We need to you know, be strong on our borders. We need to do all these different things. And it's more of this American perspective instead of a biblical perspective. I know my ancestors came from overseas. My, my ancestors came to this country, like most of us ancestors did. And yes, I, I've got pride in the country that I live in. I love America. I love what we do. I love the freedoms that we have. But man, we do a lot of stuff that's not biblical. You look at any crisis that comes up in the world, and we will look at it from an American standard of, hey, let's just throw money at it. Instead, let's throw Jesus at it. Let's be the difference and let's be the change and take a biblical perspective on crisis situations in the world. Instead, we'll take a different perspective. And unfortunately, it's a lot of it's the way we were raised. You know, we, we, got, we were raised inside a church. We had air condition. We had all this. You got some places, they meet on the side of a hill. You got people who don't even know what a church building looks like. And if you ever sat down and talked to them, you would see a perspective of Jesus that blow your mind off. It would blow the doors right off of you because you'll understand how much of a worldly perspective we have of Jesus today. Our focus should be, and what compels us to move forward, should be the love that he had for us. Think about the sacrifice he did for you. Each one of us know where we were. Each one of us knows our sin nature. Every one of us knows exactly what Jesus has done for us. For us. And for some of us, we may be realizing, man, he did a lot. He did a lot for me. <clears throat> man, I know where I was at. I'm thankful when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do because I was going through my life not knowing what I did. 
Even though I knew who Jesus was, I wasn't really following Jesus. I had this worldly perspective of who he was. Until I met him. And it changed my perspective. And I think that's one of the things each of us need to do. And if his love is going to compel us, we need to let that be the driving force behind us. And let that be the driving force that helps us overcome that fear of the unknown. After we, you, you look at that, you get that compel, that, that drive, that motivation that gets us moving. Well, then we got to see what our calling is. Because each one of us does have a calling on top of it. Each one of us are called to do something. And if we're compelled by the love of Jesus, we need to start to understand the passion that what he did to save people should be the same thing that we do. Our drive, our passion should go towards our calling, and our calling should be to tell people about Jesus. It should be to see family, friends, loved ones saved. And a lot of times that comes down to that whole what they talked about, that ministry of reconciliation. You see, reconciliation is, is what happens in life generally for us when we look at us being reconciled to God, it's our sin nature. But what about reconciliation in families? What about reconciliation with friends? You see, going back to that American perspective, we will let things happen that will affect our entire family and our friends, and we won't look at the perspective that Jesus had for us. We will get mad over politics. We will get mad over what someone said. We will get mad over what someone wears. And instead of letting the love of Christ compel us into that situation, changing our hearts from the inside out, fixing a relationship to move forward, we'll harbor it. We'll harbor anger. We'll harbor whatever it is to keep us from reconciling with our family. But yet we'll come in church and we will tell people, I'm a Christian. And we won't even reconcile our families. We won't reconcile the relationships in our own life. God sent Jesus into this world to reconcile us from our sinful nature back to him to have that righteousness of God. In other words, he sent Jesus to save us. If he did not have that love, if he did not want to reconcile us, where would we be today? And you think about that whole reconciliation. If it wasn't for reconciliation, who would tell someone about Jesus? Probably nobody. And even better, who's the one who told you about Jesus? They worked with you to reconcile you to God. They took that time to be open and honest with you. And you were reconciled from your sin nature to be the righteousness of God. Why can't we do that with our family and our friends? We'll say we're Christians, but man, we, we will not toe that line. Well, this is what they said to me, so I'm not going to reconcile it. Remember, if we, if, we, if we love Jesus and we say we're Christians and he calls us to a ministry of reconciliation, shouldn't we reconcile with people in our own lives first? 
We shouldn't harbor any type of resentment. We shouldn't harbor any type of anger. We should seek reconciliation at all times. And I always chuckle when, when someone talks to me about <clears throat> family problems. And, oh, well, I just can't do that. Well, I just can't talk to this person because they're a Democrat. Well, guess what? God's still on the throne. God's still in charge. There is not a politician in this world who is going to save you. There is not a government in this world that's going to save you. The only one that's going to save you is Jesus. And the only one who can reconcile you from your sin is Jesus. Remember, everything that happens, happens for a reason. God puts leaders on the throne for a reason. It's up to us to do what he calls us to do. And no matter what we're doing through our life, let the love of Christ compel you to continue to move on and do what God called you to do and speak truth into people's lives because of the fact that he took on our sin nature, all that hostility in the world, everything Jesus went through, he went through for you. For you. Willingly went to that cross for you. So I think we should willingly reconcile people to him. That's what we're called to do. We were given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not easy. Sometimes you got to swallow that pride. Gets caught in your throat. Start to... <coughs> but it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You got to loosen up your, your, your shirt sometimes. But we need to swallow that pride and have that ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, remember this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses against them. You think we can go through life and not count someone's trespasses against them? That's what we're called to do. And he has committed the message of reconciliation. I think it's interesting, right after this, he tells us that we're ambassadors. And I'm like, I'm an ambassador. I want that nice, you know, government plate and flags on my car so I can run through red lights and stuff. But he says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. <coughs> Be reconciled to God. Now, an ambassador is the president's highest-ranking official in another country. Basically, the ambassador's job is, is to tell the country, hey, this is what the U.S. wants. And, and at the same time, come back to the U.S. And, and say, hey, this is what we need and this is what we're going to do. And one thing you're going to find out is uh, an ambassador is a great negotiator. And they're very good at that ministry of reconciliation because they're in that tension part. They're the highest ranking U.S. official in that country, but yet at the same time, they got to come back and tell the U.S., hey, this is what we need. You know, or, hey, U.S., guess what? You're wrong in what you're doing here. They've got to have that balance, so they got to use that reconciliation and have that 
almost that ministry of reconciliation inside them as they're going back and forth. And understand that if we're God's ambassadors and we're God's children here on earth and we're his ambassadors, we're his ambassadors in this dark world. We're the ones who should be shining the light. We're the ones who should actually be doing that ministry of reconciliation to this lost world. We are God's highest representation where he planted us. So right where you are, you're his ambassador. You're the one telling the people, hey, this is what God wants from you. But man, we'll shy away from that, won't we? That's too hard, Pastor. Well, Pastor, I can't preach. Yes, you can. Every one of us has a voice. Every one of us knows what God has done in our life. Every one of us has seen transformation in our own lives. We need to take that stance of reconciliation in everything that we do. With everyone we come in contact with. So, so we know what motivates us. We see what our calling is. And last but not least, as we're going through this, and you want to get over that fear of the unknown, remember his sacrifice. Remember what Jesus did for you. He became sin for you. He had no sin, and he took all of our sin. All the sin you've ever done, which you already know about, so you know how much he's taken, but also the sin in your future. The sin you don't even know you're going to do yet, he already died for that. He willingly went to the cross for that. Now, it doesn't mean you just go out and, hey, he already went to the cross. I'm going to send my life away. That's not going to happen. That's not the right way to do that. That goes with the don't take his grace in vain. If you think you're going to just go and do whatever you want. But remember, it tells us we should work together. He saved us. He saved us so that we wouldn't be alone in this world. He saved us so that we could do what he called us to do. And remember, he is with us. The Holy Spirit resides inside of us. So we're not alone. We're not alone in this world. We're not a lone soldier out there trying to do this. We're doing it because that's what he called us to do. got dry today. <clears throat> we need to remember not to take it in vain. We need to encourage people that they're lost. Encourage them that Jesus loves them. Encourage them that he wants a better life for them. Be that witness for him. Letting his love be his ambassador. You're going to be the highest ranking official for God wherever you place your feet. And then remember what he did for you. Remember that sacrifice. Remember what he has done not only for you but through you. Don't accept this gift of salvation and, and just walk away like it's nothing. You know, you got people who, well, I accepted Jesus. 
I ain't doing nothing else. Or you get those people who, <clears throat> well, you know, I'll accept Jesus, you know, when I'm on my deathbed. Until then, I'm going to live my life. Well, the thief of the cross got in, so I can get in. And they think they're going to have a second chance. They think they're going to have this other opportunity to accept Jesus. He was there for us and offered us salvation. And it says, today is truth into this world. And we can do that and overcome that fear of the unknown by knowing. He is with us. His love compels us to move forward. We know what we're called to do. We just got to do it. Ministry of reconciliation is so big. It puts everyone on the same playing field. It brings us to equal ground. That equal ground is at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody is welcome at the foot of the cross. Be who he called you to be this week. <clears throat> and maybe you've never accepted Jesus and you're like, well, that's really good. Today is the day of salvation. In the same love of Christ that compels me to live my life each and every day is that same love that compels people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They know something's missing in your life. I, there's just something missing. I need something. Well, you need Jesus. You're not going to get it all together. You're not going to have it right. God's word says, we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. Even me. I fall short every day. I'm a sinner just like you. Welcome to the club. But God's word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> Let the love of Christ compel you to say those words. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, pastor, I don't know about this whole reconciliation stuff. You don't know what they said to me. Guess what? I don't care what they said to you. I know what God's word says. I know what God would do. God loves you enough to send Jesus into this world to reconcile you with him. And if God can send Jesus into this world to reconcile you with him, don't you think you can use Jesus to reconcile any relationship in your life? So maybe you're sitting there and you got some reconciliation that needs to be done. Come up here today, give the altar, pray to God that he gives you the strength, gives you the words, and helps you to swallow that pride or whatever it is and to get over whatever worldly thing it is that you need to get over and stop looking from that worldly perspective and look from his perspective. Let his love compel you to do what he calls you to do. Tell someone about Jesus. Reconcile relationships. 
and be his ambassador this week. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and as my voice goes away, which is driving me crazy, Lord, Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with us. Lord, that you will speak to us and through us, and as we remember your love, that that's what will be our driving force each and every day. That'll be what gets us out of bed to go and tell people about you. And Lord, that we will seek to reconcile this dark world to you. That we won't be afraid of the unknown because, Lord, you already know it. And if you know it and you're with us, it's not unknown. We just need to be faithful and take them steps. So, Lord, if there's anyone here today or in the sound of my voice that does not know you, Lord, I ask that they eliminate that fear of the unknown and take the steps to come to know you today and take the steps to make you their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's, who's not letting your love compel them, Lord, I ask that you speak to them. Make them make that move to seek you in all that we do that we would truly understand this ministry of reconciliation and and actually do what it calls us to do. You know, you loved us enough that you came and died on a cross for us to reconcile us, to allow us to be saved and have eternal life with you. Lord, we should never hold that from anybody. So help us to be your ambassadors, your spokespeople in this world. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.